Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, aka At The Peak, and I'm joined once again by Chaff. Chaff, how are you getting on, bud? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. And um, we haven't got Ryan with us this week, but we have got a very special guest, uh, a voice a few of you will recognise from the iFollow commentary. Uh, Paul Hudson, thanks very much for joining us today, mate. Thanks, Dean. Absolute pleasure. And I'll just get this out there now uh, before any of us forget. Uh, it's worth remembering that Paul's views are not those of the clubs. Um, he isn't an employee of the club. So anything that he says here is nothing to do with Rochdale AFC. Is that right, Paul? Definitely, definitely. Okay, good stuff. So now you're allowed to criticise all the players with us, all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, all, I'm always... Uh... I'm a fairly positive guy um, in the main, but yeah, sometimes it's hard being a Dale fan, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's why it's good to have you on in, in Ryan's absence because uh, we've said over the last few weeks that Ryan's like the positive influence on me and Chaff's rather dour outlook at times. So hopefully you can provide that balance uh, again today. And we'll be chatting a little bit later on about what it's been like being in the ground um, for the last couple of games because obviously none of us have been able to get there uh, to, to go in behind the... Uh, the COVID restrictions, whereas you have, of course. So we'll have a little chat about that later and what it's been like and obviously your experiences in, in commentating on the games over the last few years because I'm sure many of the supporters will be interested in that side of things as well and, and, and many of our listeners are, are the same people that listen from abroad as well. So be good to hear your perspective from being inside the ground for those games. Um, so we'll start with last week's League Cup tie. Um it was a game I wasn't able to watch, unfortunately, but obviously both of you watched the game. Uh, a disappointing home defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. Chaff, um, there was a lot of sort of vitriol towards the players after that game on Tuesday, but at the end of the day, it was against a championship outfit. Do you think maybe some of the criticism was a little bit too harsh or, or was it fair? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think we played particularly well, but I thought Sheffield Wednesday played very well. So... Um, it could have been a lot more. I think that's the issue. Um, and had it not been for Gavin Bazunu, I think it could have been a cricket score. Um, he pulled off some pretty outstanding saves and really kept the score down. Um, we struggled to, to cope with their full-backs, um, especially Palmer on the right-hand side was putting in unbelievable cross after unbelievable cross. Um, so the scoreline didn't quite reflect how the game went I don't think I think um, if we'd have lost five or six nobody could have had any complaints I just thought we looked tired to be, per- to be perfectly honest with you. I thought we looked really tired um, and some yeah some of the, the standout performance of previous weeks weren't there weren't playing well oh, yeah it was uh, I expected us to go out I think but yeah I'd have liked a better performance I think but the league's the bread and butter, so yeah, the cup doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, Paul, um, Brian Barry Murphy after the game spoke about how the, the matches against Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday have sort of been like friendlies in a way because we haven't been able to play friendlies against teams from higher up the pyramid and they were in a competitive arena, which is, is better for us in the long run. But Chaff touched on maybe some fitness issues towards the end of that game. Is that a bit of a surprise? Because for me, in the games before that, um, against Huddersfield and Swindon we actually improved in the latter stages and against Morecambe of course we got the goals later on so was it a bit of a su- surprise to see the fitness coming into play later on in that game? 
fitness I wasn't expecting to be um, so much of an issue. We've got a fairly fit squad that kept up with the individual training plans and things over the summer. It's just really around um, sort of squad integration and, and gelling from that respect. There's been a bit of turnover in the squad that's more publicised. We know which players we've lost and which players have come in. And I think usually over the over the course of a, of a standard pre-season, you, you'd see that the team start to get their teamwork together, get awareness of each other. And I think we're going to go through that for probably the next six to ten games. Um, the manager's mentioned it in his interviews. I mentioned it on Saturday. It's just uh, what I'm looking for really is progression in the games, and I think I'm seeing that. Like when we were at Swindon, the, there was a number of off days that day, but particularly for me, I thought the Rathbone was pretty poor against Swindon. Since then, he's completely jumped up a couple of levels, and he's just looked unbelievable. The Markham game, he led the team, um, really great leadership characteristics, and then Sheffield Wednesday stepped up again, and then equally what we just saw the weekend. So you know the progression in individuals and in the team is encouraging. There's just other elements that I'd like to see us improve upon. Obviously, the, the final third being the, the biggest. Yeah, and, and one of the players who was playing in that area of the pitch against. Uh, Wednesday was Matt Dolan who has come in for criticism both for his performance in that game and against Portsmouth on uh, on Sunday. Chaff, what's happening with Matty Dolan at the minute? Because obviously he's not the same player that he was when he was banging all those goals in and earned himself a move to Sheffield United a few years ago, is he? No, he's far from it. Um, his confidence must be pretty much rock bottom at the minute. Um, I think one of his main problems is he's so one-footed it's ridiculous. He can barely stand on his right foot. It's and everything that he does has to go on his left foot. So when he gets the opportunity in the game to take it round the goalkeeper, when he takes it round the goalkeeper, he's on his right hand side. And I partly expected him to mess it up, and and obviously that transpired. So that's a hindrance to him. But I've never noticed it as much as recently. So I. The confidence issue for me, I think he's a. I, th- I think he's probably suffering greatly with a, with a lack of confidence. Um, he's been a very good player in the past for us, but when since he's come back, he's not performed. Now Hill has to take a little bit of um, the blame for that, really, by the insistence on playing him at left back when he's never been a left back as long as his backside points to the ground. So, when he, I was I was quite excited when he started playing in a more attacking role, um, especially under Barry Murphy. And I thought we might get a bit more out of him, but at the minute we've not done. Um, he looks to have lost at least a couple of yards of pace as well, which was one of his main assets um, in his really good spell for us. Um, there's, no, there's no question in his work rate he works his socks off, he chases down, he draws defenders. But, yeah, we, if we're having to rely on him, we're not going to get very far, unfortunately. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't take any pleasure in saying that, but that's the way it is at the minute. I just don't, I think he's suffering from a huge lack of confidence and I don't know where he gets it back. I think it was you yourself on the forum, wasn't it, the other day that said, um, perhaps it's one of, BBM's worst mistakes in terms of recruitment so far in, in giving him a two-year deal after he put in some better performances just before uh, the end of the season, obviously the season before last. Um, and I, I can't really disagree with that at the time. I would have given him another year because I, I think, like yourself, touched on there, he, he was starting to show signs of improvement. He was looking sharp in the last stages of that season coming off the bench and 
Uh, obviously, we know what he can do from his previous spells, but it's just not happening for him at the moment. And hopefully, um, we can get a little bit of magic back from him. But it doesn't look uh, likely at the moment, it has to be said. Um, Hudders, um, Matty Dawn came in for criticism. Chaff gave Bazunu some praise. Is there anyone else who came out with a bit of praise from that game against Sheffield Wednesday, despite the, the poor performance? Um, obviously, for me, not watching it, it, it seemed from the reaction on, on the forum and Facebook that there weren't many. No, probably not. I think the the one I'd already pointed out was was Rathbone. You know, I thought I thought his 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 work level and touch, general touch was was a lot better in that game. But yeah, I think the the, the main leading lights in that one was was Bazuna. I thought he he, he was uh, he was really solid in that one. He's, he's still a young keeper applying his trade, and we saw some spectacular saves at the weekend as well. So he seems to me to be a player that's really finding his feet quite quickly when you consider. The level he's now playing at in terms of men's football, he's had his he's had his early stages in um, in in Ireland, but this is his first proper taste of, of, of good level competition, and, and I think there's a real there's a reason why City sent him out to us, and uh, it's because we play the way we do. So I think he uh, he he definitely was a was a standout point for me from that game. Yeah, that and and that's encouraging. Um, we'll move on to the, to the Portsmouth game now because I think that's quite a good segue because I, I gave him a little bit of criticism on Sunday. I thought the praise that he got after the game, obviously nil nil against Portsmouth, one of the one of the uh, title contenders and and a good point and a clean sheet for the young lad. Um, but Chaff, you were seeing me give him a little bit of not not stick, but a little bit of criticism or or maybe tempering expectations with him a little bit because I thought there was a few moments on Sunday he overplayed a little bit and I thought he got lucky with Portsmouth had a disallowed goal where he fumbled the ball into the net and I'm not sure there was much in it but those two saves at the end in particular really show you know what what a great talent we've got on our hands don't they? Yeah definitely I didn't see your posters being critical so to speak but like you said more tempering expectations Um I see a lot of similarities. I think I, I posted this on the message board as well. I see a lot of similarities between him and Sanchez um, in terms of how they play the game. They both like to play it from the back. Um, they're both big lads. They're both very good shot stoppers. Um, that's not in question because some of the saves that Mizunu's pulled out were straight out of the top draw in both the Portsmouth game and the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, yeah, there's there's been a couple of hairy moments where he's looked to to pass the ball to, to players in midfield. Uh, the pass has gone slightly astray. We saw that with Sanchez as well. He's definitely Sanchez had the habit of doing that. Um, and it's going to be very similar to Sanchez in that we know he's going to make mistakes, but he's got to have to save us more points than he costs us, um, which I think he probably will do. Um, we also have to remember he's nearly five years younger than uh, than Sanchez. Uh, and replacing what is now a, a backup Premier League goalkeeper was always going to be very difficult. And I'm not sure we could have done that much better than get Bazuno in, to be fair. And, and what I've seen so far, I think he's a huge, huge prospect. And he's certainly going to be busy. That's fair enough. Um, I think we'll see, won't we, over the course of the season, just how much of a talent he is. Um, we've definitely seen glimpses of it already. And there's, like you said, there's going to be moments for any 18-year-old keeper, but particularly one playing in the system that we do, where we try and play out from the back as much as possible. So we'll see what happens with him. But, but Paul, overall on 
Sunday. Were you happy with the team performance? I mean, I'll be honest, before kickoff, I would definitely have taken a point, so I'm happy with the result, and especially in the first half, we were very much in the game, weren't we? Oh, yeah, hugely. I, I mean, I don't remember... I, I jumped in the... Um, I was obviously out of ground in that fortunate section, and I went in at half-time and caught the eye of a couple of the directors, and I was just... We were also pleased by how how much the attacking sort of intent had really upped in that first half compared to the two previous games that we'd seen. I thought we'd probably taken more shots in that first half than we probably have taken since the the start of the season. Um, really, really good. And yeah, it's just such a shame when when you when you take into account the injuries that that occurred on the day. What could have been because it, it felt like Finns were were really quite well geared up for us to have a really good second half if we'd have managed to maintain the, the start eleven. But um, yeah, I think on, on overall balance, I thought we'd uh, we, we'd done extremely well. Weathered a storm against a, a team that is going to be, you think, up there towards the back end of the season. So yeah, I'm I'm quietly encouraged by this. And as I said before, I'm, I'm, as long as I can see continual progression, and I think that's what the manager's looking for as well. I'm encouraged by what we saw on Saturday. If we can carry that through, sorry, Sunday. If we can carry that through to uh, to Saturday, then that's uh, that's that's going to be the main marker for me. Yeah, definitely encouraging signs. And and Chaff Paul touched on the injuries there, but do you think that they were the difference on the day? For me, we were the better team certainly until Humphreys went off in the thirty third minute. I think it was, and and obviously we can't speculate on how long you'll be out for yet. But it'll be a massive blow if, if he's if he's out for a while just thirty minutes after after kicking off his his second Dale debut. Yeah, definitely. There's, if you looked down that list of players that started the game and you said and you picked two that you didn't want to get injured, they'd be Humphreys and they'd be O'Connell. Um and both went off injured. Um don't want to speculate as to how long they might be out for, but any length of time is more than we need. Um, Humphreys especially because finally we had somebody up front who posed a threat um, and I think he did pose a threat in the half an hour that he was on um, yeah I, I thought it was a promising start to his uh, to his New Dale career um, he had a chance on the edge of the box where he turned and shot over the bar Um yeah, um, we could do with him not being out very long at all, because um, we've seen how we've struggled without him. And I, I actually think BBM's going to have to go into the go into the raw market or the the transfer market to go and get somebody who can actually play alongside him. Because we're going to be out for it if we're going to be without him for any length of time, we're going to struggle. Yeah, particularly frustrating, like you say, finding someone to play alongside him because Paul in the, in the, those opening stages. Although there was a couple of moments where they sort of had a little bit of a, not a dig at each other, but there was maybe a lack of communication at times. It did look like Newby and Humphreys were making the right sort of runs for each other, didn't it? Yeah, there was, there's one particular uh, point, uh, moment that sort of stood out to me was when Newby made his run down the right. And I think had he possibly got that pass from Humphreys in the, in the, in the chance that happened a few minutes before, he may have laid it on for, maybe there's a bit more selfishness in, in Newby at that point, wanting to make his mark and, I've got I've got to tip my hat to uh, to Newby. I think he's uh, he's really made a huge step up, and he's he's obviously very very determined to to make it this level, make the most of the of the chance that he's got now. And he has looked impressive. He you know he looks like he's he's, he's got the physical makeup. He's certainly got the the confidence at this stage, which is great to see. 
So it, it's just a shame he couldn't just cut that one back for Humphreys because he was in such a good position and you feel that would have been a surefire goal. But you can't fault the uh, fault the lad for trying, and I, I think it's he needs to keep that up, you know, and and, and keep attacking because as uh, as David said, really we're gonna we're gonna miss Humphreys. I've I've got no other information than what's out there in the in the public domain around Humphreys' uh, injury, but it didn't look a good one, um, and it looked like he was in a severe amount of pain. When he came off, he was incredibly frustrated. Um, you can tell he desperately wanted to make a massive impact on his on his second debut, um, and I, I feel he showed glimpses of that. Um, but it's I don't want to rush him back now either. If uh, you know, we need to possibly just, as Chap said, maybe bring someone in on loan if if that's a possibility, just to give him the space that he needs to get back up to full fitness because a, a fully fit Stephen Humphries will be really really good for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as you touched on with those chances that they both maybe could have passed rather than shooting, I think that's something that would frustrate possibly 10, 15 games into the partnership. But when it's a case of, of Newby making his home debut, uh, Humphreys making his second, de- second debut, neither of them having scored yet, I think it's perhaps understandable that they're, they're desperate to sort of break the ducks and get underway. Um, so... Hopefully that's something that, that that's positive going forward. You know, when they start making those runs for each other just in the first half an hour, then then it's definitely encouraging signs once again. And, and the performance overall was encouraging. One player who I thought was was particularly good after a pretty slow start to the season, Chaff, was uh, Matty Lund. I thought he got on the ball quite well, found some, found some nice passes. And he's coming for criticism as well, hasn't he? Just before... Just before the last season was locked down, he had a great game against Rotherham, but before that was starting slow, and he hasn't been great in the games before Sunday, but it was definitely definitely an improvement, wasn't it, from him on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. Um, I was quite impressed with um, with Matt Lund. When he came in in uh, January, it, did, it took him a while to get to grips with the squad then as well, and I think he's just had a little bit of a slow start to the season. Um we all know how good he can be. Um, we all know how he can influence games. Um, at both ends of the pitch, really, he's very good uh, in the tackle. Uh, he's a very good passer of the ball and he chips in with goals as well. So any improvement can only be seen as a positive. Uh, and he definitely improved from the early games this season. Um, yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought he was quite good, actually. Um, looking forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, perhaps sort of adapting to a different role as well because we played more of a 4-3-3, didn't we, in his first spell with the club in, in that promotion season uh, where he was so pivotal and, and now it's perhaps more of a diamond. Uh, that's the way I've seen it, to be honest, since the start of BBM's role, but uh, I think it looks even more more clearly to be a diamond at the moment um, than it has done before. Uh, Unders, one other player who, who certainly received deserved praise after Sunday was was Jimmy Keoane and now everyone's saying that we need to improve in the left back spot but Keoane time and again has shown us that he can fill in in a few different areas and, and do a job hasn't he and he yeah big time sorry go on he was he was he was a player I was gonna I was gonna pick out hey, I know I know we we're just praising Matt Lund but I've, I've I've managed to watch that game back I'm a bit of an assist so I watched I watched the uh, the match replay back just to sort of, I always try and improve my commentary and things so I, I always try and listen back to myself see if there's any areas I can improve on them that and I watched the match back and Jimmy Keohan's performance just stood out I think when you when you think that really is a predominantly right footed player playing left back and and some of the some of the anticipation he puts in there, the forward runs, the tackling's much better. He's confident in playing it out with his left boot as well, you know, and, and accurate with it. 
Um, I think perhaps one um, drawback that a few fans would throw his way, especially having seen Norrington Davis last year, is that he's possibly not drilling towards the line and, and whipping in with his left foot. Um, but he does have the ability to do it. It's just he, he obviously prefers coming back on the right. But with him being so ambidextrous and being able to go with his foot, you know, it's it's quite a nice proposition to have. He can go either way, and I think it is a shame because I think you know perhaps he could he could do a job for us in midfield. Um, you know, if we did have an out and out left back, but as an option, as a squad player, what what a useful player he must be to the manager to have in that squad. Unbelievable, and you know he, he probably isn't costing a great deal of money. Um, a real unsung sort of hero member of the squad for me. Yeah, I agree, and I thought on Sunday. He- he actually managed to get some of that praise that he deserves. I remember after the United game last year, obviously, he filled in at centre-back, which is a role he hasn't really done before or since and did a great job and got some of the praise then. But then, like you say, he sort of fades into the background a little bit and becomes a bit of an unsung hero. But when we've had so many injuries and he's had to fill in so many different positions, it's it's invaluable in such a small squad. Um, And he'll continue to to be a key part of the squad, I'm sure. As you mentioned there, he could do a job in midfield. I remember when he was at Exeter, that was his his best position, um, and he was always one of their better players whenever he played against us. Sort of even in a, a sort of attacking midfield role. So maybe that's something that we'll see him see him doing later in the season if we manage to strengthen our options um, defensively. Um, so Paul, what has it actually been like at these behind closed doors games? Obviously, you have been to three now, is it or four? Uh, yeah, Swindon, Morecambe. And the Pompey game, I think it is, just the three. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been strange. I mean, I almost feel sometimes I, I, I moved. I was a fan, first and foremost, to begin with. You all know, I mean, used to go to the away games, everybody with everybody else. And then when I started doing this commentary, the, the perception completely changed. Um, you have to detach yourself a little bit from some of the emotion that you get attached to as a fan and, and try and sort of almost cold-heartedly analyse the game as, as best you can. Um, but then you, you you come out of that fan bubble and you sort of come into this other bubble. It's a working bubble during the day. So when when I'm when we've gone back into it now under these COVID rules, it, it it still feels very similar to me because you're still seeing the same sort of people as you would have done before. It's just that extra element of atmosphere is missing. The the extra buzz around the ground, the noise, the bustle. Um, and you certainly feel it during the games. I think that there's points in, in games that you would expect the fans to either really get behind the team or to give them a good rollicking. You know, it's it's expected, and uh, you know it is it is missed. I think the the players um, there's there's possibly you know that intangible five percent that's that's missing from from some of the support that you might receive on the day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a bizarre experience. But I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm massively grateful to to get to 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 even do it. You know, it's it's as a fan, it's it's a privileged position, and I've I've felt that from the moment I've been doing it. And and it's not just this season; it's the, the previous seasons with the the trips that we've had to some unbelievable places. And I've got to experience that from a different angle. Um, so yeah. It's uh, it's been un- been unusual, but a privilege all the same. And even though it's a massive trip on on Saturday to to Ipswich, I'm 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 glad I can make it and and hopefully give a little bit of that atmosphere back to the people that are watching at home. Yeah, that's um that's a good point actually on the Ipswich game, which we'll we'll sort of look ahead to shortly. But you will be one of very few Dale fans um, to ever get to see us play there, of course, because it was one of the games that was still due to be played when the COVID. Um, 
pandemic started and, and the game was obviously called off last season. Dale have never played there before, I believe, and, and obviously no fans will be allowed to go uh, this weekend. So a very, very privileged position for yourself to be in. Um, in terms of like the actual match and when the action's unfolding, what is it like? Because for me, watching these games on TV, there are sometimes you have that indicator, if that makes sense, from the from the crowd when a player's going through and obviously we have your commentary as well, but sometimes you realise just how good a chance uh, someone has by the reaction of the crowd at the other end of the stadium, for example. Has that been strange, sort of adapting to not having those indicators from the crowd? Yeah, I can, I can think of a perfect example um, from Sunday, actually, because um, we mentioned Bazuna earlier on. There was a save he made, there was a reaction save that was highlighted quite rightly on the Twitter uh, this week. I didn't get a great view of that on the match day. I really didn't make that much of a deal of it. But I think if a crowd had been there, they'd have seen the angle, there'd have been a big ooh about it, and I'd have known it was something a lot more. It felt fairly instinctive and straightforward to me, but when you watch that back on the replay, it's an outstanding save, and it deserved a lot more on the day. But yeah, there is there is that element that you miss out. I, mean, I, I remember back to the, the, the Spurs um, FA Cup game, um, You know the, the crowd momentum that was pulling it along there. I think it elevated what, it, it felt like it elevated what we were doing at the same time. You know, it wasn't just the players that feed off the energy of the crowd. It's it's the, it's, the, it's all the staff. You know, the, the coaching staff, the even even the stewards and people. Everyone just feeds off the buzz that a crowd generates in football, and it's something that's going to be massively missing this year. Um, it is a massive shame, um, but football as a business has to has to carry on. It's it's weird and unusual, but you know, they'll find a way. And I know there's plenty of Dale fans out there that appreciate the work that you and Martin have done on these games so far. It, it really, obviously, we'd all rather be there, but there's there's no better alternative than being able to watch the games. And, and I know I'm not alone in saying thank you for for the work that you've been doing at these games um, because it really helps us to get that extra sort of angle on the match and and appreciate what's happening beyond you know just the one angle from the camera. Um, Thinking back to those sort of pre-COVID times, what were some of your favourite memories from doing the commentary? What are your favourite grounds to have visited? And I know you certainly have a couple of, uh, of friends over at Accrington Stanley's ground that you've mentioned to me before. <laughs> yeah, Accrington's a, is a strange one. Um, the position that you're in, I mean, that's that's the other thing. I'm, I'm used to all the away ends in, in football grounds, but the where you're placed sometimes from a press position, it's uh, it goes from the sublime to the, to the ridiculous sometimes. You know, it's uh, places like Scunthorpe and Atkinson, you, you've got very limited views sometimes, and that's hard to appreciate when you when you watch an iPhone, you've got that great camera view that's on the halfway line. The commentators, you're not always in the right position. Atkinson, you, you're looking down the line, and sometimes you can't even see the, the corner flag because you've got three or four players. Uh, three or four rows of seating in front of you and exactly just in front of us at Accrington uh, is a, there's a group of uh, old, older ladies that support Accrington and yeah when, uh, when Martin gets a bit animated about uh, usually a, a day or win there because we do quite well at Accrington um, they don't like it <laughs> and then they'll, they'll turn around and try and give in some as well so I think uh, you know I think we all owe a debt to, to Martin to, for bringing a bit of the away fans into the into the home stands at those ones but yeah in terms of outstanding um, sort of experiences Wembley was unreal with Spurs I had to make a bit of a, a trek on that one because I was I was in my uh, job first week at a new job in Norwich that, that week and I had to try and drive over from, from there in the snowstorms and stuff and nothing was stopping me getting to that game but the uh, unbelievable experience and that's the other side of it the, the, the hospitality that goes on um, I, I don't like to make a big 
thing of it because it, it might feel a bit sort of showy off but you know it, some some of the places we've been you can't help but appreciate what they've laid on for you you know they do look after the visitors very very well and um, different pinch myself sometimes that you get in this treatment um, but yeah, you, you get shown behind the scenes. You see, you see Millwall. They were fantastic uh, hosts, really, really good hosts. Showed us around the stadium, showed us the museum, and things like that. Um, it's completely different match day experience. Um, Old Trafford was something else. Um, I, I do tend to look over to the away end sometimes and get really envious. That goal that Matheson scored at Old Trafford, I was looking over, thinking what I'd give to be in there right now, but got a job to do haven't I <laughs> so I'll just sit back and uh, and talk my way through through what Luke, Luke had done that night but yeah it's, uh, it's, it's as I've said before it's an incredibly privileged position um, and I don't know how long I'll be doing it for you know I'm just going to try and take every single experience that comes to me through it I'm very lucky that Rochdale have had such a sustained um, sort of period of, of success in League One that's allowed us to play the likes of Ipswich and Sunderland and you know, top class teams like that and experience their facilities. So, yeah, long may long may it continue. I just hope that, like you mentioned before, I'm I'm not a handful of Dale fans that's ever got, get to go get to go to uh, Ports uh, to Ipswich. I, I want them to stay down, us to stay up, and every one of our fans to get to experience that again next season. Yeah, maybe don't tell their media team that on Saturday afternoon, mate. Um... <laughs> um, Paul, so obviously players playing in front of big crowds when they're not used to it, I'd, I'd imagine adds a lot of pressure. Is it the opposite for you and Martin? Obviously, you got a lot of new listeners because nobody can go to the games. So do you feel an added pressure um, to well, perform, so to speak, on the commentary because you've got a lot more listeners who wouldn't ordinarily listen? Well, speaking personally on that one, I I, I barely ever think of the, um, the audience at all when we're we're actually recording it feels very much like a conversation between Martin when we're watching a game it feels like you're sat next to a mate at the football talking about what's going on um Martin I think is a different kettle of fish he puts an awful lot of preparation in in terms of because he's, he's the player by play he's the one that's leading the the way I react really to what's going on, on the pitch it's I've got an easy job I've got to say um what he does in terms of uh, being being all favour of all the opposition players, getting all the backstories and the, the history and so on. I think he, he does an awful lot of work that's sometimes not not seen. Um, and, I, and I know the amount of work he puts in before some of the big games, and it's certainly a, a, you know a, an important thing to him. But yeah, for myself, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of the amount of people that are going to be listening this season. I do want to make sure we put on good quality for them. And, uh, you know, so far it's felt good. Um, but I'm always, like I said before, I, I listen back to my performances and stuff. I call performances. I've said a bit that up myself. But, you know, I do uh, I do, I do, do want people to, to feed back into us any way we can improve and stuff like that. Anything you want to see more or anything that we can try and integrate reasonably, I'd, I'd love to do. Bringing it back to sort of, sort of the current times at the minute, um, Paul, like when it comes to fans being allowed in the stadium... The protocols that you're following at the moment, will they be similar to what fans have to do? And, and what, what do those sort of protocols actually entail in terms of actually getting into the ground to watch games at the moment? 
not sure um, how it's going to work out for fans, but the, what we, what we are seeing, what when we turn up for games, is usually there's a uh, there's a there's a set of protocols that are sent out by the home team for you to sort of really understand understand where you're parking, how you're entering the ground, and things like that. You you have to attest to your health before you turn up, so you have to say um, you know whether you've whether you've experienced any symptoms or whatever in the last seven days is practically a health questionnaire to finish. Uh, to fill out before you before you travel, and then when you get to the ground, you are um, your temperature checked um, when you enter um, to make sure that you're fine. And then when you in, when you're in it, there's, uh, there's there's separate zones set up. So the players are in their own bubble, the coaching staff and so on. There's areas that you're not allowed to enter as media, um, and you know it's, it's. I must say, I think it's quite well managed. But what I what I'm struggling to grasp is how we get back to normal from this. You know, how do we get the fans back in? Um, how that how does that all work out? The management levels of that is just insane. And, and you, a Premiership club and stuff, they're used to it. They've got that sort of level of stewarding at each game. But for us, all that extra expense, it just it feels like a big headache. And I wouldn't want to be the man at the top of the tree making the decisions. But um, it's going to need careful management. And I hope some support from the EFL and anybody else that's involved in that, maybe that be the Premier League or, or the FA. Um, but it certainly feels like we're going to need some help to get our match day crowds back in. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it would be feasible for a few thousand of us turning up for a League One game. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen for a short while anyway. Um, in the meantime, we'll all be tuning in on Saturday to listen to yourself, Paul, on, uh, on the trip to Ipswich. And uh, now, Chaff, um, I think they've had quite a strong start in the league, haven't they, Ipswich? Um, they've got a few players there that, that perhaps haven't performed for them before but look like they're starting to get the best out of them now. And how are we going to uh, compete with that, given that we could be going into the game without a handful of our key players? That's a very good question. Um, it's a bit of a mismatch. Um, most of the games that we play this year with the squad that we've got now is going to be a mismatch. Um, Ipswich are well fancied like they were last year they fell away a little bit last year um, I backed them to win the league last year and they ended up costing me money but they've started very well um, they've not made a lot of changes to their squad because they've not needed to um, which is yeah it's, that must be a nice position to be in um, yeah it's going to be very very tough especially if we're without as we all suspect we will be our best defender and our only striker. So, yeah, um, the odds were stacked against us anyway. Um, they're going to be uh, pretty astronomical now, unfortunately. So, I, if you offered me a point now, I would snap your hand off. Yeah, Paul, do you think that's maybe a view that's shared by most Dale supporters? I mean, we've been given a really tough start to the season and this is this is yet another really difficult fixture, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, you, you look at those first three fixtures in the league, and you've been Swindon come up, lots of uh, lots of positivity carried on from a great season last year, and they had an incredible opening day record that they've managed to extend at our expense. Um, but yeah, Portsmouth again, another team that are fancy to be up there in Ipswich again. So, so yeah, we've come up against some pretty uh, difficult opposition in the first three games, but. Really glad that we got off the mark um, on Sunday, got the one point on the board, so we're, we're not feeling that strain of being on zero. Um, Ipswich, even though they got maximum points in that first game, Wigan, 
patched up squad, sort of, you know, they've, they've got through that one 2 0. The game of the weekend, they didn't score until very late on against Bristol Rovers, which shows me that, you know, I think Bristol Rovers must have held out quite well until the later stages. So if we could put a resolute defensive performance in that I know we're capable of, um, it's just whether O'Connell's missing or not is probably the big question mark as to whether that is going to be something that we can execute. But if we can do what we can do, I don't see any reason why we can't come away with something. But I'm with Chaff. If you offer me the point, I'd definitely take it. Um, it saved me a trip. If we could just arrange that right now. But... Yeah, um, I live in hope, like every Dale fan. So we've had some big victories over the years at away grounds. We've not played there before, so why not go there and start off with a win? Yeah, and fingers crossed um, we'll all be celebrating. Uh, an unlikely three points from our living rooms uh, and yourself from Portman Road on Saturday. Um, so we'll finish off with our usual game. Um, Paul, I'm sure you've been listening in and know the rules, but I'll just... Uh, recap them so what it is is it's, I'll pick a, a Dale game from history and Ryan we, don't worry if Chaff wins the point won't uh, count as the game against yourself uh, so I'll pick a Dale game from history you have to name every player that played within the squad or was on the bench for Dale in that game the first person to say someone who wasn't in that squad loses so um, the match today is Dale's playoff game against Rushton and Diamonds uh, the 2-2 draw in the first leg at Neen Park, I think it was called. Um, Paul, since you're the guest, I'll allow you to go first. So I want you to name any player who was in the Dale squad uh, that day. And in fact, I'm going to have to change the rules slightly because uh, I've struggled to actually find the squad from that day. And it's only showing uh, the players who came on off the bench. So it'll have to be someone who actually featured. Jeez, right, okay. I mean, Chaff's known me a long while. Um, I properly started following Dale like the uh, the Wembley season, so this is this is a stretch. It's a good <laughs> job an old man, so I can remember some stuff. Um, I'll go with my all time favourite Dale player, Gareth Griffiths. Yes, Gareth Griffiths is in that. Chaff. Paul Simpson. Paul Simpson, correct. He scored. If bet, go for the keeper, Neil Edwards. That's correct. Uh, who scored the other one? Lee McEvely. Yep, Lee McEvely was the other goal scorer. So you can see what Chaff's doing here. He's remembering who scored. And, um, <laughs> next to Griffiths, uh, Jobson. That's correct. Good shout. Uh, I'll go Matt Doughty. Matt Doughty's correct. This is a great effort. <sighs> Stretching me now. Uh, Evans yeah Wayne Evans is correct I think that's uh, that's the back line sorted anyway literally just took my next guess so <laughs> Michael Oliver Michael Oliver is also correct so I think we're down to um, three starters left and one player who came off the bench what year is this? 2002? 2002, yeah. The end of the 2001-2002 season. Clive Platt. That's correct. The tension is real. Tony Ford. And that's incorrect, I'm afraid, Chad. Ah. 
Hudders sweeps in for the victory on his uh, on his guest appearance. So the, the players that were missing uh, for anyone who was playing along at home were David Flickcroft, Alan McLaughlin, and coming off the bench for Clive Platt was Kevin Townsend in the 54th minute. So a win for Hudders. I never uh, got McLaughlin. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a strange one to be fair. <laughs> but um, that brings us to a close on this episode of the WatchdaleAFC.com podcast. Um, all that's left for me to say is, Hudders, thanks very much for joining us today. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite. Chaff, thanks as always, mate. No problem. I'm sure Ryan will be at home researching old games so that he can uh, so that he can get one back on me. Yeah, that's I'll how he's the lead next week. That's how he's spending his uh, his week off from recording. I'm sure. Thanks for listening. Up the dial.